Welcome to Catholic Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alejandro Cervalli. Join me as I explore the plethora of knowledge of our faith. Together, we will look into Catholic fundamentals, break down the basics, the prayers, traditions, and practices used in our church to gain union with Christ. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God, including our minds. You must begin to open your heart to imitate the mindset of Jesus Christ. Catholic Mindset creates Catholic contents for Catholics looking to grow in their faith. You can follow me on social at Catholic Mindset Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset. Today we have Carmen Santamaria and Angelique Ruilops. They both wrote a book called The Infertility Companion for Catholics right where it talks about spiritual and practical support for couples who are struggling with with infertility before we talk about that a little bit about you ladies how are you guys doing today doing well i'm doing good thank how you how are you doing good doing good enjoying your saturday thank you for jumping on the show i appreciate it sure thanks for having us so let's jump right in let's define infertility so everybody can have an idea of where we're starting with the concept Infertility can be defined as a year of trying to conceive without having a conception. Um, so it could, especially if obviously with no interventions involved. Right, and okay. it, it's about one in six couples in the United States experience infertility. And it could also be primary, which is like you're starting to try to have children for the first time, or it could be secondary that you perhaps had biological children and then you can't conceive anymore. Uh, so there's different ways, and the the statistics show that it's about a third, a third, a third, as far as um, whether it's you know the woman, the man, or just something both of them, or you know something they can't really define why it's happening to the couple. Okay, okay, and then infertility it can come from from just the inability. So you said it, and then in one year, right? right. And then yeah. so that that means. That because a couple is trying and they don't conceive, like you said. So after a year, it is possible after they keep trying. Right. That's when they're medically, you know, diagnosed, let's say, as right. being infertile. Um, for actually for couples who practice natural family planning, it's actually six months because those couples know a lot more about their fertility and are more attuned to, you know, what's going on. So they actually um, the definition is a little bit different for them. So I guess percentage wise or, or how many people can't actually can just can't because their body just cannot, it's, it's, it's not a matter of time or, or diet change or whatever life change. Is there a number of people that just can't like the, I mean, I don't know the, I don't know the number for that. I mean, most, most people, right. Once they're, let's say diagnosed as being infertile, then, you know, they pursue some sort of option, right? So whether it be some sort of medical intervention, um, or I mean, yeah, testing, I guess, testing, testing, right. There's a lot of steps involved, uh, but I mean, how many people are just, you know, completely infertile? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So after a year, then is when someone should seek help. Right, exactly. Right, they should go to you know a medical professional and start to see you know what's going on. Right, so infertility is really it's a symptom. Like it's you have to see what's causing it if you can. I mean, sometimes you can't figure out why the the medical professionals can't, but if you can, 
through testing, maybe there's a hormonal imbalance, or maybe there's something physical, like maybe the woman has endometriosis or something that can with surgery be corrected, and then maybe they can conceive. So there's things that you have to figure out, but you have to do that through testing and, and kind of seeing what, what the cause, you know, what's going on. Okay. So tell me, tell me about the book. Why the book? Why, why do I need a companionship book? You know, I think that when couples are facing infertility, um, it can be such a desperate, difficult time um, because you feel called to be a parent, but it's not happening, not happening in the time frame that you, that you wish. And so um, we've been there, each of us, um, at different points of our marriage with our husbands. And um, we, we, felt, we felt that loneliness of not knowing where to go, where to turn. And we found that the Catholic Church has such rich, beautiful teachings on the subject that can guide us at a time of desperation, at a time when we don't know where to look, where to do. There's all these different treatment options and what do I choose? And the church um, in a very beautiful way says yes and says yes to treatments that help to uphold the dignity of the spouses and of the child that they wish to conceive um, and um, guides us in a loving way to healing, I think, spiritually and physically. Okay. We saw the need for the book because when you're going through this journey, you're offered a lot of treatments and you don't know necessarily that the church has uh, guidance and teachings on this. So actually, if we could just read, this is actually from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So what they state, and it's just like the simple kind of rule. So any procedure which assists marital intercourse in reaching its procreative potential is moral. So that's licit. And procedures which add a third party into the act of conception or which substitute a laboratory procedure for intercourse are not acceptable, illicit. So, you know, all of this information wasn't, before we wrote the book, wasn't in like one place. So if you wanted to know what the church taught, you'd have to either read like, you know, something from the Vatican or, you know, kind of just inform yourself. So we really saw the need for putting something together that would help a couple that's struggling with this. What can we find in your book? How's your book structured? Our book, so there's the teachings of the church, right? There's, um, I mean, and there's also spiritual stuff. There's even a book, like my husband wrote a chapter in the book. Um, There's stuff for family and friends that can support. Um, So it's both, um, you know, why does the church teach what she does about the treatments? Um, then there's, you know, what kind of treatments can we find licit, right, are good as Catholics. Um, there's also a chapter on discerning, you know, like what, what is God calling us? Like perhaps, you know, some people are called to adoption. We have information on that. So I don't know if I missed anything. No, I think that's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's defining it initially and, and just trying to get right. people to understand what it is and why the church has the perspective that it does. Okay. You, uh, you guys mentioned treatments right? So what, what are some treatments that are permitted and what that are not permitted? Let's start with the ones that are not permitted. What are some treatments that are not permitted? And then we go into why they're not permitted. Sure. So we have um, in vitro fertilization, which is, I think, one of the primary ones, the ones that people know the most about, and that's not permitted by the church. Right. Um, the reason why that's not permitted is um, because it, the sperm is taken from the man and the egg is taken from the woman, and they're united in a petri dish. Um, so we have a third party intervention there, um, and it's done in such a way that it's not upholding the dignity of, of each of them. 
Um, and there's so many different moral ramifications for that of, you know, what happens to the embryos, how many are implanted, how they store them later. Like there's just a lot of ramifications there that the church is opposed to. Um, yeah, if I may, because I, I didn't know this about in vitro that um, pre, pre-podcast, you, you were telling me that it's multiple um, eggs that are inseminated, right? And then they're, they choose which one goes, which one is the best candidate, right? And then they're, they're, they're implanted into, into the woman. And then those extra ones are frozen and they're kept there for X amount of time if the couple chooses to keep them frozen. It's kind of... They have to, I mean, just there's a fee to keep them frozen. And then sometimes people don't want to keep paying fees. They feel like, oh, we already have the children that we want, you know, if it was successful for them. And and then they donate, you know, that's quote unquote, they're science, science, which means that they're killing them. It'll be tested Uh, for sure. Right. And then, you know, similarly with choosing, right? That's an ethical dilemma. Like you're basically playing God, right? Because you, say okay I want a boy I want a girl I want this characteristic or this other one and it's you know that idea of designer babies what else do we have in in terms of options that people should not be taking the artificial insemination also similar uh, to what Angelique shared about the IVF it's except it doesn't involve taking out the, the eggs from the woman but it also adds the artificial, it adds that third party, right? So going back to what I had stated earlier as like the rule from the USCCB, you're adding that third party who's going to take that sperm, which unfortunately many times is also obtained in, you know, in an illicit manner because many times it's obtained through masturbation and, and then you're injecting that into the woman. So that's another common procedure that, you know, for Catholics is problematic. Okay. And, and these, would you say, they're the most commonly used? Yeah. Or this is it? Doctors might say, oh, hormone treatment, which is accepted. You know, hormone, hormone treatment. treatment. Right. Right. <clears throat> but if that's not, if they're not achieving with an X amount of time, then they'll say, okay, in vitro, we'll send you to a reproductive endocrinologist. So the OBG, I'm sorry, the gynecologist who's treating them will say, okay, this is beyond the scope of my expertise. You're going to another doctor. And what those doctors offer are in vitro or insemination. Okay. So talking about the ones that are accepted mm-hmm. you're looking about hormone treatment it's acceptable yes okay yes and also you know surgeries um to correct maybe something that but you know endometriosis like i said it's sometimes which is tissue that's growing outside of where it should and maybe just removing that tissue or maybe um a blocked fallopian tube for example you can clear that out with a procedure and then you can have you know they can conceive that way so any sort of medical intervention that really just makes the woman or the man healthier is generally okay without those third parties. So either hormonal balance, um, you know, a needed surgery, it kind of, the difference also tends to be that the more, let's say mainstream treatments are very cookie cutter. So, oh, you're infertile. You've tried for X amount of time. This isn't working. Okay. You're going to go do artificial insemination or IVF versus the Catholic approach, which looks at the individual couple, right? And they're gonna, doctors are gonna test, okay, what's going on with this couple? What are the, you know, the hormones here? What's going on with with the woman? What's going on with the man? And take a much more nuanced and individual approach. And I think sometimes that first line of defense also can be, if you don't practice natural family planning, 
or know where you are in your cycle, sometimes it can even be as easy as you're timing it wrong, you know, because that's the beauty of those of us who practice NFP. Um, It's that, you know, when in your cycle, you're fertile and when you're infertile. And so that obviously maximizes the chances of conception when it is that you feel called to do so. Um, and, And sometimes even just that first line of defense of having couples learn okay, this is the time when you, know, you need to take your temperatures or you need to look at your mucus signs, things to indicate when it is that you're fertile um, can sometimes go a very long way to helping couples conceive. You mentioned NFP. For those that don't know, NFP is natural, natural family planning, right? And that is what you just described briefly. But for those that don't know, NFP is that it's, it's where, where a woman and a man together, right? It's supposed to be a, a couple activity. They track the cycle of of the woman to see when she's fertile, when she is not. And that helps plan whether it's the right time or if you want to have a baby or you want to wait a little bit. But it's it's a natural way to um to leverage the beautiful cycle of of you know the God given cycle to the woman to be able to manage that. Yep. Yeah. I just I just learned that brief re- recently. That's why I just okay. did a poor job explaining it. But okay, cool. Can we say that most infertility cases have some sort of solution? Some sort of solution? I, I, I would say most. I would say most. Most? Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. And leaning leaning towards the to the right ones, hormonal treatment, surgery, looking at the couple, what's going on with the with the woman, what's going on with the man, because both, right? You guys, you guys said that it's almost equally shared, the infertility thing. Because maybe I want to say that maybe culture or whatever the sense is that it may be leaning towards the woman more as like they're the issue but of course to what society says you said it was a third a third a third right so what is what is who is the third third (laughs) well no the third third would be either a combination of the two or just that Ah. they don't because sometimes they don't they can't explain it like you'll do testing and everything comes out normal and you do you might have a procedure and it still doesn't, you know, you can't conceive. So that's where we as Catholics know, okay, well, God's involved, right? So there's, there's a certain element that we, we can't control, right? So society wants to control that, hence all these procedures, but we can't. So um, I was actually going to say, though, going back to what you were saying, asking about our most, you know, cases, basically, you know, can they find a solution? And the the percentage of couples who use, let's say, a so there's the Catholic, the main Catholic alternative is called natural procreative technology, which most people just call NAPRO. And NAPRO has like a 60, 70% success rate versus actually in vitro that has like a 30. 30? Yeah. So what? It's, yeah. yeah. And it's, they won't tell you that, right? The tune that's, of that's, that's how it works. That, that yeah. unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's also more successful because, like I mentioned, it it's like about the individual couple, right? So if you're finding out what's really wrong with them, then you can probably try to help them with that. And you can't always, right? But to a larger extent, you might be able to help them. Versus you're just bypassing what's really wrong, and you're just trying to create the baby, and you know, and you're really never getting to the, you know, what's really going on with a couple and they also have a much greater um likelihood of achieving like another pregnancy right so let's say it's like the, you're infertile you've never you're starting to try to have a family 
with NAPRO, since they've actually tried to solve what's really going on, your ability to have another child is much higher than with in vitro where you probably just have to go back, right? And do another cycle of Well, and then also the factor of that baby badly might be miscarried, right? The one that's created with in vitro. Because if you're not even looking at why the woman isn't able to carry a baby to term or isn't able to conceive, and if you're looking at the reasons, there could be something biological that makes it so that who knows, they may have conceived and then just not carried a baby to term. They're not looking at the underlying reason. So here they are bypassing everything that God created and implanting the baby that sadly may or may not make it because they're not actually solving the underlying issues. So that leads to more heartbreak and more, you know, on so many levels, right? For this couple that's already struggling. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm, I'm still thinking about the 30% for, for in vitro. Compared to the what is it called NAPRO we're calling it NAPRO yeah NAPRO, NAPRO which is sixty to seventy percent right, and they're not talking about that nobody <laughs> no right. they're they're not talking about it I mean is you at the beginning Carmen I think you mentioned something about the first the primary or secondary right a little bit of what you were talking about now mm-hmm. is is it common I have heard stories of people having difficulty getting their first kid when they get married but then they get that first kid and then the other ones pop 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 Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So can you tell me a little bit about primary and secondary a little more? Is it common? Is it, is it okay? Is it, or. <laughs> They're all okay, but I don't know that <laughs> have statistics necessarily on no. one versus the other. I mean, we've experienced both. Um, like she had primary and I had secondary. So, I mean, it really doesn't, you just never know. Right. 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 Okay. Right. right. Well, you don't. Yeah. But at least, at least it's good to know what to do. Like there is solutions and yes. support for, for families who are struggling to have babies that the solution is not to run to, um, to these artificial options like insemination or, or, or in vitro. And there, there are more natural God-given ways to do this, right? That at the end have a much better outcome, like a lot of things. <laughs> we have to listen to the wisdom of the church yeah the right church. i mean right. awesome so you guys mentioned the book talks about support how can individuals like myself support friends or people who are struggling right that's the kind of support we're talking about right yeah so what, yeah. what are we looking at supporting so i think that um sometimes those of we all at this point in time know somebody who's going through or has gone through infertility. Um, it's it's so prevalent at this point. The statistics tell us it's one in six couples in the United States. Um, but you know, sometimes there's this tendency either to avoid it, oh, it's the elephant in the room, I don't want to talk about it with them, or it's the other extreme of, oh, let me give you all the advice in the world. Oh, just do this and you'll get pregnant. And none of that is helpful to couples who are experiencing infertility. Drink a tea. And- Yes, absolutely. My grandmother said, uh, you take a shower with roses, all sorts of stuff. You'll see. Yes, 100% to all of that. My grandmother has some crazy stories and how they (laughs) claim to fix things. But yeah, communication is key and support. Being able to talk about it is so important. Yeah. And I think, no, no, it's giving people the space. Like, you also don't want to force anybody to talk about it if they're not comfortable talking about it. So just being there, say, hey, I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can help you with? Is there anything you want to talk about? Is there anything, um, you know, can we go to mass together? Can we go to adoration? Let's go have coffee. Something to just be supportive for the couple um, while they're going through this. 
um, I think it goes a long way to know that they're not alone. Um, and you can point them to resources and that's helpful too. But at the same time, you need to kind of respect people's space and people's journey through this um, and, and give them the opportunity to talk if they wish. Right, but there are um, online resources. There's yeah. um, also at some parishes, like our parish has a ministry for infertile couples, you know, so it, it just mm -hmm. kind of depends on, you know, what's out there, but giving them those good Catholic sound you know, yes. morally acceptable options. That's yeah, really the best, you know, the best support because I think uh, we have to remember that we are consumers of, you know, our medical, um, you know, practices or whatever. When we go to the doctor, it can be intimidating if you're, you know, neither of us are in the medical field, but, and so they tell you something and you just believe whatever they tell you, right? So if you're really, in the throes of, of infertility, you know, you just, you kind of just don't know. And they're like telling you, oh, you should do this. You, you or want to be your only right. option. So you need somebody <laughs> who can really point you into like, okay, no, you have other options. There are other things you can do and that you need that other voice out there to help you. Yeah. And there's online retreats now there's online support groups. Um, sure. There's a lot of options out there now, which is praise God. You know, we need to be able to serve people who, who are experiencing this. Can you give some samples of some names of like online resources? I can, I mean, you don't have to be like www at, but <laughs> I can, I can share some of this stuff and then show notes. In the show um, notes. Yeah, I can. Called Streams in the Desert, that one, but. Um, well, can we get back to you on that? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what happened is that we, we have resources in the book, but that was yeah. 10 years ago. And so now there's all these other things. Um, I know Redbird Ministries is one that deals with merit, um, miscarriage and um, an infant okay. loss. Um, so we can we can send that to you. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll we'll um, once the show is out, guys or and ladies, you guys can check the show notes for any resources in relations to this to this okay. conversation. Okay. Cool. So can can you give me more of a little bit of example of how to support? someone who's struggling with infertility? I think um, <clears throat> just being there and listening um, and saying, you know, I'm here for you that, you know, I'm here to listen to you if you want to talk and they may want to, and they may not want to, you know, you can take them out for coffee or ice cream or anything like that. Um, maybe even a little note, there's, you know, St. Gerard Magella, um, and there's different um, patron saints that could be, you know, interceding for them. And you can say, hey, I'm asking for the intercession of, you know, this patron saint and, you know, a little prayer card, something like that. I think just so that they know that you're there and that you acknowledge and that you understand that this is a loss, that there's a grief process involved in, okay, you know, we, we felt God calling us to have a baby, but it's not happening right now. Um, uh, offer to go to mass with them, um, go to the Blessed Sacrament. I think there's... Um, many ways to be able to support them and be there for them and, and allow them the space to be able to talk if they so wish. I think it's hard also because um, at a time, you know, all their friends are having babies, um, all your friends are having babies and you're, you're, you're the only one who feels like you, you don't. And so then there's the baptisms and there's the baby showers and then, and that's hard. And that's, I think that uh, we also have to give grace and understand that there might be a day where a person just really feels like they can't make it to X baby shower. And, and that's hard, but also, the flip side of that, right, is for those of us who are experiencing that, to challenge ourselves to be there and celebrate life, right? Because if we really, really want, we, if we, this is a life that we desire, 
to be there to be able to celebrate life is 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 a way to also challenge ourselves to kind of step outside of ourselves and be able to be there for for someone else. So I think that um, it is definitely a process. It's definitely a grieving and being there to support somebody just by allowing them the space to talk goes a very long way. That's so important. You know, people people just keep things to themselves sometimes and without communicating that you don't know. You, you can't, if you don't communicate your struggles, then you don't, first, you can't find companionship in it. Like, you know what, Carmen, I also struggle with this, but I did this and this, and this is how I leaned on my faith, you know, um, to support me. And then I found other solutions and having resources. If you keep it to yourself, it's no good. Yep. Right. But I think we just really have to be respectful of everybody and that, that it's different. You know, like Angelique said, it's, it's a process, it's a grieving process. And, you know, for, for many couples, because of the cyclical nature of this, right. Because it, it revolves around like the woman's cycle. I mean, it's like every month you're kind of just in this grieving process, right. And you're going through it and the hope and like, so it's hard, but just knowing and also just respecting that, that friend that you have, you know, we, you can say, okay, I'm here for you. And, you know, listen, but sometimes people don't want to talk, you know, so you really just have to make yourself available, but also be very, you know, extending grace. Like she said, if somebody doesn't want to do something at a certain point, understanding that. Yeah. So on, in our pre-podcast conversation, both of you ladies mentioned that you guys have struggled at some point in different aspects of of infertility do you guys want to tell us a little bit of your story and i understand it led to adoption as well so i think that that's awesome at the same time being able to provide a family for 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 a child in need but tell us a little about your stories yeah. who wants to go first <laughs> so i'll go first oh um, so yes when my Angelique, husband and i were yeah. trying to conceive um we were you know it it wasn't happening in, in yeah. the timing we were expecting. And, and because we did natural family planning, we saw that, you know, that my charts were okay and we were puzzled by it. So um, we did testing and, you know, it came back as unexplained infertility. So we really felt very strongly that God was using that as an opportunity for us to adopt. We were feeling called to adoption. And so we um, had the blessing of being able to adopt our oldest son from Vietnam. Um, and he's 15 now, so um, it's been quite a blessing. And he came home to us at, at eight months old. So we definitely are, you know, proponents for adoption. You know, we talked about all the medical interventions of, of infertility and we're blessed as Catholics to have all these options. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also want to encourage people to take a look at the option of adoption, that perhaps God is calling couples to adopt because of this experience. And how many kids do you have now? We have six children. Six is of your own. All of us, all of them are our own, <laughs> biological and adopted. Bi- biological in total, in total, like that's six, which is great. So your struggle was mainly at the beginning and then you adopted and then you were able to have your own kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. E. Carmen? Mine's a little bit different. So we also used NFP or used NFP in our marriage. And I went, when we were ready to, I had gone back to graduate school and when we were ready to have a child, we got pregnant right away. We have our daughter who's also 15, almost 16. And then um, we're able to get pregnant with our son after her. So, um, you know, we didn't think there was anything wrong. But my husband and I had um, from the onset, from before we got married, talked about adoption being part of our family. And we had just thought we would do it a little bit later. 
But after we weren't able to have any more biological children, even after we had those two, you know, we had testing, we decided, okay, well, maybe God is calling us to adopt sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And so we have twins that are adopted. So we have four children, two biological to adopt. And where did you adopt your kids, if I may ask? Since we know we- uh, my, Our we children are domestic adoption. So um, they- Domestic, uh, like- Yeah, so we- South Florida? Florida, not, not South Florida, middle oh, Florida. domestic. <laughs> but domestic, yeah. So we adopted them as babies. Like Victoria uh, came home when she was three, four days old. And then um, Danny had to stay in the NICU for a little bit because they're twins. So he was, they were born a little bit early. Uh, so he had to stay for a little bit, but they are super healthy and, you know, awesome. And yeah, so. Yeah. And our daughter had prayed for twins. So that was also, uh, she, our oldest, right? So she had wanted boy, girl, twins. And that's what God provided. So there you go. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about what it, the experience of adopting? I know it's not for everyone, but if you're called for, what, what, is, what is that outcome? I mean, I, I think, well, we know both of our families, um, you know, our children are all the same like we don't treat our children any differently just because maybe they look <laughs> differently than us you know these are all my children and that's that you know and 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 I think it's a different way of, of growing your family and I guess it has its challenges um but I mean like I, in anything like anything right anything I mean people also say the process is super difficult for us it wasn't that difficult I I mean yes you do have to do certain things paperwork and you do certain classes maybe the things that you you understand from a point of view of somebody's going to give you a child right so you want to make sure that your home is safe they want to make sure that you are you're you're sane and you're you know like (laughs) normal things that you can understand and you kind of just the same way you would apply for a job and go through you know certain things you have to do that and and you have to be comfortable with people, social workers asking you questions and coming to your home. And but that that's also, you know, it's it's a small little inconvenience. Right, if, compared if to the blessing. Of course, of to having the these children, right? Yeah. That are a huge blessing. And I think in a society where how many children are not, you know, aborted, you you're also being a witness to life, right? Like these are this is our family. You know, when we go to church, everybody sees our family and it's very obvious. My children look very different from my husband and I, my adopted children. So it's very clear that they are adopted. So I think that's a witness to other people, you know? Yeah. And I think also the blessing for our families and for our children is that we have many friends who have adopted children. So our children are seeing that this is a normal part of raising, of, of building a family, I should say. Um, you know, it's, it's just as normal as biological children. And I mean, we, we can't count, I think how many people we know who have adopted mm-hmm. children and it's a blessing because they see that, you know, they, they see that in the, right. the kids they hang out with. And I, th- I think people also say, oh, the children will have some stigma. Like I remember recently at, this summer, I was at the, at a pool, we were on vacation and I was not in the pool. I was like watching my daughter, the, the daughter in the pool and she had made a friend and she was talking to a friend. And she's like, oh, no, that's my mom. And the girl couldn't understand that I was her mother, right? Because I don't look like my daughter. And my daughter just very matter of fact response. Oh yeah, I'm adopted. Like it just keeps swimming. Like it's just as if it was like, she was telling her the sky was blue. Like it didn't matter to her. And the girl was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it's totally fine. You know, like people think that there's a lot more stigma, I think, than there, 
than there is in the reality. You know, like my children are not different. They're all my, I have four children. That's it. I think that's great. I think that removing that stigma is great because it shouldn't be like that. You know, adoption is, is part, is a normal part. And it's a beautiful thing, giving another child a home, right? Absolutely. This has been great. I know that we're running out of time. And I just want to say that thank you so much, ladies, for jumping on board and telling us about your book called The Infertility Companion for Catholics, Spiritual and Practical Support for Couples. So any, any final thoughts? Well, we want to just remind people that there's a lot, there's hope and the Catholic Church within her love for everyone has wonderful options and we just want people to be informed and know about that and also just not feel alone. You know, it's a hard time when you're struggling with infertility, but there's, there's a lot of hope and, and love out there. No, I think that, that's exactly what Carmen just said. I think to know that the church is supporting you, that, that Christ is with you, um, and to know that other Catholic couples may be suffering through the same thing, but can find hope in the teachings of the church. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ladies, thank you so much for jumping on the show and telling us about your book and then this great mission you guys have been spreading the word about. I mean, I definitely learned a lot and uh, I will definitely share. I mean, that's not the whole point of the podcast to share. Ha! Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.